And thank you, especially to those of you coming to the earlier service when you might normally have come to the second service. It really does help us out, and hopefully it spreads things out for everybody. If I don't move this back, I'm going to knock it over. I know I will. Is this good? Do you guys? Yeah, you're okay there. Do you guys ever sit there when I'm preaching and hoping I'm going to knock something over? Ever feel that way? Or that I'm walking backwards, going to trip over the monitor? Those of you who really want that to happen, shame on you, but isn't it, isn't it great? Oh, we, we think alike. That's all right. Uh, two things in my mind. Uh, the plant-based nutrition uh, workshops start February 11th. It starts with an informational meeting. I like that idea, Margaret. Uh, it's just a one t- you can come one time, watch the video, and get an idea of what it's like. And then you can determine if you're going to continue in that. Uh, I think it's how many, how many weeks? How many? five weeks after that. So you can, you can sign up for that. I encourage you to sign up. Uh, I noticed, I hope you take a look at the thing that Melissa puts out every Saturday. Church, we really got to take advantage of that. We really got to look at the news and look at the information and then follow up with the steps. I know I signed up, me and my wife signed up. So we're going to be there in February for that. Uh, but you can do that right there from the newsletter. There's a little tab. You can click on that and say, hey, I'm coming or two of us are coming and, and be a part of those things. Read through that. There's really good information in the weekly newsletter. So I wanted to make you aware of that. And then secondly, uh, coming up, I'm going to be gone for several Sundays on and off. I'm, I'm here and gone again. I'm only gone for actually one week of vacation in February, but uh, all the camps that I usually speak at kept getting postponed and postponed and postponed. And uh, so it just ended up being that I'm going to be speaking at two camps, uh, one the first weekend in February and, uh, and then the first weekend in March, uh, my, my weekends, I was supposed to be there in January and now it's March. And so I had to fill those for them so they could uh, make sure they had somebody speak at those events. One's Barakel, one's up in Holland, uh, Michigan. And uh, in between there, we always go to Hilton Head. And so there's two Sundays sandwiched there. So I'm only gone actually one week, but four different Sundays. Next week, I'm going to put up on the screen the chart of everybody who's speaking. You'll get to hear from Pastor Shane twice, Pastor Ben, and then our elders. Um, Roger Sovis will be speaking. All of our elders have to go through the process of preaching once, and they just so love that. Uh, but we, we love for you to be able to hear them, not only for you to be able to hear our pastors, but all of our elders as well. So some fun things are coming up for you as a church body, and I'm excited for you for that. I'll make sure we explain the exact dates next week when we're here. Let's pray together. Would you pray this prayer? Could you say, God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Can you give that prayer to God? God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. And God, my prayer today is that you'd be glorified, that everyone hearing this message would be edified, and that Satan would be horrified in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in the story of Paul. It's been an incredible story, and today I want you to put yourself into the uh, person of Paul. I want you to be thinking, like, if this were happening to you, what would you be thinking? What would you be feeling? What would you be deciding to do or not to do? We've already talked through that Paul was attacked by the religious community in Jerusalem. They plotted to kill him. Uh, Rome stepped in because they were afraid that he was literally, not just metaphorically or or, uh, figuratively, physically they're afraid he's going to be torn into two from these two groups. And Rome stepped in, grabbed him, took him to Caesarea by the shore, and there he was kept for quite a long time waiting for trial. Remember Felix? 
Felix was uh, hearing the gospel because he kept asking Paul to come in and talk to him. And, and little did Paul know, Felix was hoping that he would, he would pay him off, a little, little shyster, little whatever you want to call the uh, person wanting to get paid off. And, and uh, the whole time, Paul is faithful to preach the gospel. And then uh, Felix retires or is sent away, and we've got Festus that comes. And Festus also hears the gospel, keeps Paul prisoner for two years, and then Paul finally says, I appeal to Caesar. So you've got the religious community that are out to kill Paul. You've got Rome who's keeping him captive and wanting bribes and not really taking care of the situation. And finally Paul says, I appeal to Caesar, and now he's on his way to Rome. That's where we've left it so far. This week, I want to preach a little differently because sometimes the narrative, the story is so good. It's so rich that we need to just enjoy the story. It's written in the Bible as a story. Paul is telling his journey. It's like reading Moby Dick. It's like reading some epic tale of what Paul is going through. So this morning, even though it might take some time, will you, will you be with me? Will you stay with me? Will you promise you won't start thinking about what's for lunch? Will you promise that you won't start daydreaming about some other thing that you've got going on? It's going to take a little bit of time, but I promise you it's worth it as we read through what happens to Paul. Paul boards a ship there in Caesarea, and he, he heads, they're heading north and west by ship, and they only get maybe, uh, I don't know, a, a, not a third, maybe a quarter, a fifth of the way through this journey, and they stop, and they're waiting, and, and all this time Paul is praying, and he realizes that this is a doomed, a doomed journey. He knows ahead of time that it's doomed. He even tells the people who are about to set off from shore, don't do it. If you do this, it will be catastrophe, and yet they go. And we'll pick it up here as we'll follow along. Follow me in Acts 27. Uh, get a Bible out or get a gadget out. Find a Bible in one of the seats around you. Acts 27. We're going to read 13 through 44. While you're finding that, let's talk about the big idea. The big idea today is even when things are a wreck, God's mission will advance in mysterious ways. Are you confident of that, that God is sovereign and that his plan will not be thwarted by man's decisions. He will accomplish what he will accomplish. That is what you need to know today. And maybe right now where you sit, if you feel like your life is a wreck, it's not what it's supposed to be, you don't feel like things have happened fairly to you, I want to let you know, you're not out of the will of God. You're not out of the sovereignty of God. God's got this. One thing Christians need to say every morning when it's a hard day, you got to wake up and say, God's got this. Friends, we passed a milestone this week. You don't know the celebration that we're, we're experiencing. Any of you have teenagers enrolled in school? Do you realize that this was the end of the semester? Some of you are like, what's the big deal? You don't have a 17-year-old son who had five classes, one of them chemistry, one of them algebra. Whew. You tell a 17-year-old boy at the beginning of the semester, all this is due at the end of the semester. How many 17-year-old boys do anything until the last week of school? This is a big deal today. I've been, I've been preparing for a wreck. I've been preparing for a catastrophe for months now. Seven o'clock last night, the last chance for anything to be turned in and at 658 
my son came out and said, it is finished. <laughs> Woo! Glory, Lord, I thought the ship was going down. Oh, I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that. I hope you know as parents, and, and parents, God bless you. If you've got young ones and they're in school, and this is a whole new thing, God bless your heart. You're doing a wonderful thing. Those of us who have been around for way too many years, there's no education happening nowadays. It's just about getting through. And you know what? I'm okay with that. <laughs> parents, once you get to be my age, you just want to get them through by the grace of God. And then know that he is sovereign and it's in his and it's in his hand. God's got this. Don doesn't got this. God's got this. Josh doesn't got this. God's got this. So let's look at what happened to Paul. Again, put yourself in Paul's shoes. He's already been unjustly almost killed. He's been in prison now for a long time. He's been suffering and now. It seems like the beginning is just happening. Acts 27, 13 through 44. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore to Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and it could not head into the wind. So they gave way to it and were driven along as we passed to the lee of a small island called Quada, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the Lord, the God, our God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. On the 14th night, let me say that again. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed that we were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again, found that it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurions and soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes and that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. 
Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and to get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or other pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. Can you imagine? Can you imagine all that Paul has gone through? And he's a servant of God. He's serving the, the, the living God, the, the, the risen Savior. He's got a message to share with the world and all this tragedy is happening to him what decisions have you made today about this have you said nuts to this i'm done following this if this is god's plan i'm out of here this is hard it's uncomfortable it's it's suffering this is not what i signed up for this is an amazing story i don't have time to read all of it but what happens next is even more amazing Malta, little island. They make it to the beach. The islanders who live on this little tiny island see them and they see that they're from a shipwreck and so they graciously take them in and warm them, feed them, take care of them. And as they're warming by a fire, Paul grabs a bunch of sticks to throw them on the fire and as he does, a snake bites him. And everybody sees it and they know this is a viper. This is the deadly poisonous snake. And you know what they think? They think, man, this guy's a loser. They think, man, this guy just survived a horrible storm. And and they're telling a story about all these days at sea. And and this guy actually survives this horrendous shipwreck only to be bitten by a snake on shore. He is cursed. In our own minds, don't you think this morning? Man, is he cursed. How many of you have ever been shipwrecked three times? Beaten by rods bitten by snakes, all for the name of the Lord. That's Paul. And these people on Malta are like, man, this guy, stay away from that guy. He's dead anyway. We all saw it. He got bit by, he's going to die. And and you know what happens? He doesn't die. Paul just keeps on pumping right along. He's the energizer bunny of the old New Testament. And he just keeps on going. And then the people say, man, we might have had this guy wrong. He survived a horrendous sea wreck, and he got bit by a deadly snake, and this guy can't die. He's blessed. He must be a God himself. Wow. What What an epic story. It goes on. Acts 28, verse 11. 
after three months we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered on the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day the south wind came up and on the following day we reached Petioli. Sounds Italian, doesn't it? Should be, it's off the shore of Rome. There we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them. So we came to Rome. I'll say that again. And so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters had heard that we were coming and they traveled as far as the Forum of Appius in the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. And when we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Wow. Two ways to look at his story. This guy is cursed. This guy is blessed. How do you view it today? How do you see the hand of God upon a life and the ways he works in mysterious ways? We do know that God had already told Paul he would preach in Rome. How does God get a guy to Rome? (laughs) Well, apparently, it takes a shipwreck and a snake bite. And by the way, I didn't mention that the three months that he was in Malta, that little island, many, many people were saved. Some physically from illness, they were healed. And many heard the gospel and were saved. How's God going to get the gospel to an island when there's no internet? How's God going to get the gospel to this tiny island of people who he loves? Sometimes I guess it takes a sea wreck to bring the servant with the words. Paul shipwrecked. Wouldn't wish that upon anybody. I want to take us through this real quickly. It's an amazing journey. It's hard to see, and it's, it's just as bad up close. It's a little blurry, so if you're having a problem, you're okay. We were in Jerusalem, and Paul was about ready to be slaughtered, and they took him over to Caesarea. From there, they went over to Sidon. They sailed around Cyprus and over here to this shore. And it was from here that we got to this place where we made our way around the island of Crete. And here is where Paul warned them about the dangers. He said, we shouldn't go, we shouldn't do it. They made their way around and got to fair havens and then set out. And here's where they spent many days, just tossed by the wind, out here, just tossed by the wind. And then finally, they run aground here, this little island of Malta where he stayed for three months and then made his way, getting closer and closer. And he makes his way to Rome. It's an amazing story. Maybe you had a hard time following, and maybe you started thinking about lunch, and so everybody loves media. Let's let a video tell you the same story, and maybe it'll be more exciting for you. Why don't you roll that video? Paul's journey to Rome, Acts 27 and 28. Paul was a prisoner in Caesarea near Jerusalem. Some of the Jews had accused him of doing wrong, so he wanted to sail to Rome to have his case tried there. Julius, a centurion, was in charge of getting Paul and the other prisoners to Rome. Luke and Aristarchus, Paul's friends, decided to join Paul on the journey. Paul's boat sailed along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. At the port city of Myra, Julius found a grain ship from Egypt that was going to Rome. He transferred his prisoners to that ship. 
The winds were not favorable for sailing west, so they sailed south. The crew anchored south of the island of Crete, but by now it was winter, a dangerous time to sail. Paul met with the captain, the owner of the ship, and Julius. If we continue this voyage, there will be damage to the ship, a loss of cargo, and possible loss of life, Paul warned. But the owner and captain wanted to sail to a safer harbor. Julius followed their advice. When a south wind blew, the sailors saw their chance to leave. Not long after they set sail, however, the ship was caught in a terrible storm. The sailors could not control the direction of the ship, so they let the ship ride with the wind. The sailors tied ropes around the ship to strengthen it and keep it from falling apart. As the storm continued, the ship was in danger of sinking because of its heavy cargo. The next day, the crew began to lighten the ship by throwing cargo overboard. The third day, they threw out some of the sailing gear. When the storm grew worse, the men could see neither the sun nor the stars, so they did not know where they were or in which direction they were going. Eventually, they gave up hope of surviving the storm. Again, Paul met with the captain, the owner, and Julius. You should have listened to me, Paul said. But cheer up. An angel of God told me that I would arrive at Rome and everyone on board would survive. The ship, however, will be destroyed. I believe what God has said will happen, but first we must run aground on a certain island. At midnight on the 14th night of the storm, the sailors determined they were close to land. They didn't want to crash on any rocks, so they threw four anchors off the back of the boat and waited for morning. Meanwhile, the sailors decided to save themselves. They started to lower the rowboat, pretending to attach anchors to the front of the boat. Paul saw them and told Julius that unless everyone stayed on the boat, they would die. Julius gave the soldiers orders to cut the rope and let the rowboat fall into the sea. Paul promised everyone they would not die. Then he took bread, thanked God for it, and instructed all 276 people on board to eat. In the morning, the crew saw that they were anchored near a bay with a beach. They let go of the anchors and steered the ship toward the bay. But the ship got stuck in the sand, and soon the waves started to break up the back of the ship. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners so they would not escape, but Julius stopped them. Julius told everyone who could to swim toward shore. Then he told those who could not swim to float toward land on pieces of the ship. Everyone did as he said and made it to the island called Malta. Since it was raining, the islanders made a fire so the men from the ship could get warm. As Paul threw some wood on the fire, a poisonous snake bit him on the hand and hung onto him. Paul shook the snake into the fire. The islanders were convinced Paul was a murderer and was being punished. When Paul did not die, they decided he must be some kind of God. But it was actually God's power that kept Paul from dying. Paul and the rest of the prisoners and crew stayed on the island for three months. During that time, Paul healed many of the sick and shared the gospel with the lost. After winter, Paul sailed to Rome where he stayed in his own rented home under a guard's watch. Paul remained faithful to God even though his voyage to Rome was hard. We should remain faithful to God no matter what happens in our lives too because we know that God is faithful to us and loves us very much. Sometimes you're visual learners and you need the cartoon. Anybody like the cartoon? Yeah, you can, you can hear the story, but sometimes it helps to kind of see it written out or drawn out too. What an epic tale. Sometimes when you're preaching and you get to an epic 
tale like this, you decide not to make a three-point message because it doesn't seem to fit. I think the story is the message today. The story itself is the lesson for us. And there's lessons to learn for all of us from the shipwreck. Again, maybe you feel like your life is a shipwreck today. Maybe you feel like it ran aground and it didn't go the way you planned. Maybe you had your voyage all planned out when you're early 20s and now in your mid-50s you're like, man, did it go wrong. How did I get here I know for many people, they're, they're kind of wondrously aiming or, or going through life, and it just seems like they're following the winds, and, and they're not getting anywhere. It's frustrating. And so we put out money for the Powerball and hope that the Mega Millions and, and hope that maybe if I, if I had this cash flow, then I could be and do what would make sense. But the whole time, I really want us to know, if you're a believer, that God is in your life and he's never left you you're not an accident or a mistake and where he takes you he has a plan for you so i look back on paul's journey and there's a few things i just want to point out number one we need to charge forward with purpose everybody say purpose You know, your life has a purpose. Even if you're at a a terrible point right now where things aren't going the way you thought they should go and you feel like all hope is lost, you need to know that there's still a purpose in that moment in your life. God had told Paul, the Lord had came to Paul when he was back in Jerusalem and he said, you will preach in Rome. Just as you did in Jerusalem, you shall preach in Rome. There's a promise. There's a guarantee. Paul had no idea how he was going to end up getting to Rome, all the things that he'd have to survive, but he had a promise, and there was a purpose for his life. He had to go preach in Rome, and so all of these things that were happening, he was still heading with a purpose. No matter what's happened to you in life this morning, are you living your purpose? Paul was to preach the gospel in Rome. What is your purpose? Why do you get to wake up every morning. I often say, why do you get to suck air for free? Why are you still here? There's a purpose in your life. And where you go, that purpose ought to be, you ought to be charging forward with that purpose. Do you trust your calling? This, more, or this week, I had a gentleman in my office, and we were talking about that phrase, the calling. Pastors use that. Missionaries use that. The calling. And you know what? It was really interesting as we were talking about it. He wanted me to explain the calling. And, and, and I could tell that he had this mysterious feeling around it. Like, like each one of us, like Paul, the Lord would show up by our side physically and talk to us and tell us, Don, you shall preach in Ordonville. That's not how it happens. I hope I don't break your hearts today, but you know, there's really no mystery to this thing we use the term the calling. To be honest with you, God guides our paths and He works in circumstances, and then we make decisions. I decided to be your pastor. Do I think it was a calling? Yeah, don't get me wrong. I don't want anybody going around say, but I decided to do that. It was a choice I made. How did God do that? Well, there's a lot of things we could talk about. There's a lot of 
acquaintances that I had that Oakwood had, and they found out about a Don Jackson. They sent out a feeler. Next thing you know, I'm on the phone with Marty. Me and Marty talked on the phone for months, just chatting back and forth and answering questions, setting up a meeting. Next thing I know, I'm at Tim Hortons sitting by a a fire with, with Marty, drinking coffee and talking about Oakwood and talking about my former ministry and There's really no mysterious thing about the calling. God has gifted you, given you passions. He has you right now in this spot. Here he uses you. You choose to. Trust your calling. You choose to. You make a decision every day to live your purpose or not. Are you trusting your calling? Paul had to trust his calling. Can you imagine getting on this ship knowing it was destined to go down? Can you imagine, as he leaves Crete, he knows this ship is not going to land where it needs to land, but we're all going to be okay. Do you trust your calling? The second thing is that we've got to cope with life's perils. I see this a lot in life. We don't like the hardships and the suffering. We don't like that part of life. And we, we often complain and point a finger at God. Why are you doing this? How come you've done this? And, and certainly sometimes we are in a storm of life. Sometimes we create the storms we've got to ride through. But sometimes they're just storms. We always want to point at somebody or something and complain and yell. But you know what? It's life. Apparently winds blow on the Adriatic Sea. And sometimes a nor'easter blows through, and it's not good to be on the water. Are you going through something today? Are you, have you ever had to experience being seasick? Maybe some of you are life seasick today as we talk about the narrative of being in this boat. Years ago, Julie and I had the opportunity, uh, our church sent us away to Hawaii. And while we were in Hawaii, Julie wanted to snorkel. We snorkeled the Black Rock, which was great, because you could walk from the beach right into the ocean and snorkel around the Black Rock. Saw incredible things there. But then Julie wanted to go out to Molokini, what is it called? Molokin, Molokini, yeah. It's a crater. It's about two and a half miles offshore of uh, Maui. She really wanted to go, so I went said, yeah, let's do that. We got in this boat, and we went all the way out to this crater. I think from where our boat was, it was a longer journey there. We get to this crater that sticks out, and you get your gear on, you jump in the water, and then it's amazing. It truly is amazing. I'm not a fan of animals, especially in the wild, because they never can trust them. But there's beautiful fish, colorful things, always looking for a shark. But uh, we found this octopus squid thingy, and it was really cool. It was purple, and it was not too far, so I was enthralled by that. And we were out in this water for an hour, and, and out there, two and a half miles offshore, it's big swells. So the whole time, you're just rising and falling. And so you're 15 feet from the octopus, you're two foot from the octopus. You're 15, and, and I'm like, whoa, this is cool. And we did that for an hour. We did it. Just, I loved it. I was really having a good time, enjoying myself. And after it was time, we got out of the water into the boat. And I'm not feeling so good. First time in my life, I'm like, what is this? I was seasick. I'd never been seasick before. 
I was sick. If you've ever been seasick, it's, you can't wish it away. You can't not want it to be a re- It's just you're sick. You're laying flat on your back in the bottom of the boat just praying, God, either get me to shore or take me home. This is awful. You're green in all sorts of colors. And we had to sail back two and a half miles or whatever it was, four or five miles to where we ported and that was miserable. And yet I, I talk about minutes and hours. 14 days. 14 days in a ship out of control. In the day there's no daylight and at the night no stars and moon. They're just 14 days. I can't imagine it. The Bible says they hadn't eaten. No duh they hadn't eaten. They're as sick as can be. They're scared for their lives. And friends, I just want to tell you, as believers, we have to cope with life's perils. Acts 27 and verse 20, it says, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storms continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Have you given up all hope in your life storm? Have you said it just didn't go the way I thought it was going to go and now I'm adrift without hope? I want to let you know it's not true. And you might not want to believe it today, but God's got you where he wants you. And he wants to use you. And you have to cope with life's perils. Paul had to suffer through the storm just like 275 other people had to suffer through that storm. But he was God's servant. Well, that doesn't mean he's above life. Well, shouldn't God have stopped that for Paul? Well, no. Again, this isn't heaven. This is life. And we're not guaranteed freedom from problems and suffering and It reminds me of Jonah being on a boat, and that boat was out of control. But that was because of Jonah. (laughs) Paul's on this boat, and he's done nothing wrong, and it's in the same shape. How is this fair? Again, go back and listen to my last two sermons. This life isn't about being fair. It isn't about it always is going to be right. Sometimes you just have to cope with the bad stuff. What do we do? Well, we got to be faithful in the storm. Paul was faithful in the storm, which leads me to my third lesson from a shipwreck. Care for the passengers. Think about your boat you're in today. Location, job, whatever you want to call it. Your life boat. Who's in the boat with you? Who do you have around you in this stormy thing called life? care for those people that's why you're there Jonah had to be thrown overboard those people are lucky that Paul was forced aboard because Paul cared for the people Acts 27 in verse 37 we see that it's Paul that stands up and he he says to them After this, he took some bread and gave thanks in front of them all, and he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. 
276 people on that ship with Paul. 275 souls with Paul. And Paul blessed them with prayer, prayer and provisions. Nobody else on that ship was willing to eat anything. They thought all hope was gone. But Paul's like, we're going to Rome. I don't know about you guys, but I'm, you guys might not think you're going to make it, but you're all going to make it. The ship is doomed. And we're getting close to the end here. So Paul gets up, takes out bread, and says, I believe in God. You're going to be okay. It's time to eat now. You know what? I want your eyes to be open about life right now. We're going through a storm, obviously. It's rough. Storm upon storm upon storm. Amen? We're, we're going through storm upon storm upon storm, and many people are saying there's no hope. It is as bad as it can get. Well, maybe not, but do you know your purpose? Do you trust your calling? Well, then stop crying about the storm and take care of the people that are around you. That's what Paul did. Paul said, while I'm here, I believe in God. Might as well tell these people about them. And might as well help them with a little bit of food. Might as well help them with a prayer of blessing. And Paul takes care of the people that are with him. Paul believed in God's divine attribute and sovereignty. Do you? Do you believe that you are where you're at today because this is where God uses you? And I need to be faithful to my calling. Do you believe that God's hand can direct you even to where you're at this moment? I heard a wonderful story yesterday. I'm a storyaholic. Um, I won't tell you where I heard this story because some of you couldn't get past it. I listen to stories everywhere, uh, not just Christian stories. I listen to great storytellers. Yesterday I heard a story that rocked my world. I've listened to the story twice. I made my wife listen to it. It was a story about a man who was an avid skier, snow buff, and lived out west. And he started telling the story about how uh, a snow, a ski business on the hills, big mountains there, went under and no longer operated. But they could take this hike. You could hike to the top and then be able to ski down. And then he talked about powder. If anybody skis, you understand powder. It's, it's heaven. You want to be where nobody skied before. There's no tracks in front of you. And, and so he's talking about this. And one day he decided he was going to go hike. None of his friends could go. So he went alone and he hiked his mountain by himself. And he strapped on the skis and he started skiing down this mountain. And then halfway down or so, he noticed across about 100 yards, there was a family. So he stopped. There was a gully between them. And he watched as the dad and the mom had this little boy. And the little boy was in this little plastic sled. And he thought to himself, well, that looks wonderful. And he watched as the dad put the little boy, young child, in the sled. And he, he's going to push the boy down this hill. And his mom was there seven feet away, not far at all. And he pushed the little boy on the sled. And for some reason, the mom missed him. He went right through her legs and she didn't get him. And he's watching this happen. And he thought, oh, my goodness. If you've ever been on a, a ski hill, it's not designed for sledding. Not for a little child, and he's gone. Whoosh! Dad immediately grabs another sled and he takes off, but he's not going to catch him. Mom's running down the hill, but she's not going to catch him. And this man seeing this happen thought, oh my goodness, I've got to do something. He started skiing down this gully, hoping that when he came up the other side, he'd get there on time. He said, I got to the other side just in time to see this little boy flying out of control down the hill toward a metal pole, a little snowmaking pole pole and he watched as the boy hit 
a little ramp and goes within inches of smashing into this pole. And the man happened to be right there and he snatched him out of midair. And he says, hi, how are you? And the little boy had big owl eyes and eventually a dad come up over this little mound and saw him and he goes, who are you? He said, my name is Bobby. How did you get here? He said, I skied. He's still holding the child in his hands. The father looked at Bobby. He said, do you read the Bible? He said, no, I don't. He said, well, I believe. I want to read it so I don't misquote it. I believe that God does, doesn't do anything by accident. God brought you here to catch my son. The mother shows up and Bobby hands the boy to his mom who grabs a hold of him and screaming and crying and wailing and Parker eventually starts crying too and Bobby's like, I handed you a perfectly good kid and now he's crying. <laughs> Bobby went on to tell the rest of his story but I was, I was blown away by that. Bobby's not a believer. I don't believe in coincidence. I do believe in providence. And God can put a person in the middle of a deserted snow hill to catch a kid flying through the air. Obviously, that father was a believer. And he understood that God had provided a miracle that day. Who's in your lifeboat? I don't know how y'all got here. I don't, I don't know the circumstances that bring you to where you're at today, but you're not here by mistake. And there is a mission that we're called to, which brings me to the last lesson is we got to communicate the plea. In Acts 27 and verse 31, Paul Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. Paul was watching and he'd known that as long as everybody stayed on the ship, as long as everybody stayed aboard, they would survive. And he watched as the sailors were trying to leave them for dust. The sailors were trying to put the lifeboat in and get in and get out of there. And Paul sees it and he tells the guy in charge, you got to stop them. Because if they get off the boat, they will die. You will die. We've got to stop them. And in that moment, I see that we all have a plea. Unless you're safely aboard, there is no hope. Unless you're safely aboard, there is no future. Unless you're safely aboard, there is no salvation. And our plea is, is bigger than a shipwreck. Our plea is about eternal life. Salvation is found in only one place. And the, the analogy there is so rich. Paul knew, you got to stay on the boat. Get on the boat. Noah said, get on the boat. Get on the boat. All throughout Scripture, we see the boat as a reference to life and safety. And this morning, if you're not convinced 
that you know what's going to happen after this life, today is a chance to get on board. Get aboard the lifeboat. Know that your salvation is secure. How do you do that? There needs to be a time in everyone's life where they say, God, I know I'm a sinner. Thank you for sending your son. Please forgive me of my sin and come into my life as my Savior and Lord. And, and that prayer of faith gets you aboard. Are you aboard the lifeboat today? If you're aboard the lifeboat, who's in the lifeboat area with you that you need to rescue? If you don't have a purpose for living, let me give you one today. Here's your purpose for living. Go to heaven, take as many people as you can with you. So Paul was to go and preach in Rome, but God didn't fill in all the details. And by the way, on your way to Rome, 276 people need your word. And an island in Malta need to hear the word. And so what we're going to do here is we're going to put you with some rascally people. And it's going to be frustrating. You're going to be seasick. But you know what? Through it all, through it all, God's mysterious work is accomplished. Amen? It's an epic story, isn't it? Share the message. Salvation is in Jesus. That reference there, Acts 4.12 says, There is no name written on earth or in heaven whereby men, no other name, no other name on earth or in heaven whereby men can be saved. It's just Jesus. He is the lifeboat. Do you know him today? As the band comes to close us and send us out, it's, it's a different kind of a message today. There's just lessons from a shipwreck. I pray you as a believer can take the life of Paul and say, well, God, I don't know what's happening for sure, but use me. Wake me up to the people around me who need the message of the gospel, who need the, the surety of a lifeboat. Wake me up to that, God. You got me here. Use me here. And if you're not, a believer today, make today the day where you get on the lifeboat because there's nothing else that will save you. Jesus is the only way. And if you need to accept him today, I'd ask you as we all close our eyes and bow our heads and nobody's looking around, if you need to do that and you've never done that before and you're saying, Pastor Don, today needs to be my day. I've been fighting it. There's been weeks where I thought I needed to do this and I've been stubborn, but today's the day. I'm not waiting any longer. Would you just raise your hand where you're at and say, PD, that's me. I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. Just raise your hand where you're at and I'll pray with you. Anybody. It's time to get on board the only way. And Father God, I just pray for the rest of us who believe in you. Help us to stop complaining about the storms. God, I pray that we'd wake up and realize sometimes the storms get us to where you want to use us. So God, help us to be effective, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.